We're in the midst of Genesis chapter 32. If you want to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32, and we'll read verse 7 here again. We won't read the entire chapter that we read last week, but just uh, some more lessons that we can find in this passage. In this 32nd chapter of Genesis, we find that Jacob has been told by the Lord to return back to the house of his father, the land of Canaan. And so in faith he and obedience, he, he's doing that. He's on his way. He ran away from Laban, but then Laban caught up with him, and, and they kind of come to a truce about uh, their conflict with one another. And so now Jacob is back on his way, but now he begins to worry about when he gets home. He still has a brother that hates him. There's a brother, Esau, that uh, has vowed to kill him. And so now Jacob begins to consider that problem. And in verse 7 of Genesis 32, and, and along the way, God has mercifully, first of all, he promised to protect him. He promised, he, he told him to, to go back home. So obviously God was going to see that he got back home. And God also graciously gave him a vision of a camp of angels that were there also to protect him. And yet, despite all of these clear revelations of the will of God for his life, we see in verse 7 that, so Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. So it's not just a little anxiety, but he was greatly afraid and distressed. And so he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. So we read last week that Jacob came up with a plan A and a plan B to try to avoid being killed and his family wiped out by his brother Esau should Esau choose to kill him and to wipe out his family. And so we see that fear and, and faith don't go together. And fear will cause us to begin to try to scheme to figure things out. And if you think that you're smart enough to figure out life and to figure out how to run your own life, then you've got a rude awakening coming. We are fully dependent on the Lord. Unless he directs us, unless he's the one who protects and provides, then everything that we can dream about doing and scheme about doing, it is pointless and it's useless. But what peace and joy comes from just learning to trust the Lord. First of all, being dependent on his direction, calling upon him in prayer, looking to his word for that direction, and then conforming our life to God's revealed will, and then resting that he's going to take care of all the rest. All he asks of us is faith. Believe what he said. Obey what he said. And he'll take care of everything else. Well, Jacob is learning that lesson. But at this point, he hasn't quite grasped that need of full surrender. In verses 9 through 12, let's read that again, because here we have Jacob's prayer and it's a wonderful prayer. It's an exemplary prayer, one that we should imitate. And so in Genesis 32, 9 to 12, we read, Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. Okay, so he's Jacob in his prayer is repeating God's promise to him. That's a good thing. 
And he says in verse 10, I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. So there's humility there. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. In other words, I had nothing when I came, and now I'm going back prosperous and rich and with descendants, all because of the mercy of of God, not because he deserved it. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he came and attack me and the mother with the children. So it's a good thing. Cast your anxieties, your fears upon the Lord. Lord, I fear this. It's okay. Uh, It's not sinful to fear. The sin comes when we let fear dictate what we do, what we say. And so cast your cares, your anxieties, your fears upon the Lord. That's what Jacob's doing. That's a good thing. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for the for multitude. So he's praying according to the revealed will of God. Again, that's a perfect prayer. Everything he said, his attitude and what he prayed and how he prayed, that's exactly how we're supposed to pray. But when he gets done praying this, this exemplary prayer, he does what so many other Christians do, and that is he begins to devise his own plans to how to protect himself and provide for himself. He just threw himself on the mercy of God, but then he, those things that he cast on the Lord, now he's picking them right back up. And this is what too often we do. We pray, we ask God to take care of things, take care of our fears and our worries, and then when we get up, we take those fears with us and we still worry about them and let them dictate what we do and what we say, rather than the peace and the joy that comes from trusting the Lord. He prayed according to the will of God. Let's go to 1 John 5, 14 and 15, so that we know that we are to pray just like Jacob did. He repeats God's promises to him. He prays according to the revealed will of God. So Jacob's not making things up here. He's not imagining what he wants God to do for him and then demanding that God do it. That's how too many Christians pray today. That's what they think faith is. Faith is coming up with an idea that you think God should do for you and then demand that he do it. That's not faith. You don't see that anywhere in Scripture. God had already told Jacob what he would do for him. And Jacob says, Lord, I believe that. I want that. And in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, we're told in this church age that that's a good way to pray. It's the only way to pray. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him and God, that if we ask anything, now there's a condition on that anything, according to his will, he hears us. That's the confidence we have in prayer. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And so this is how we are to pray in this church age is not, Lord, do this for me. And this is how I want you to do it. And this is when I want you to do it. But to go to the promises of God's word and say, Lord, I believe that you will do what you said you would do. I trust you. And I cast these fears on you. And now I want to live my life. I want to think. I want to act. I want to speak like I believe what you said in your word. 
This is why it's so important for us to know the Word of God. This is why we study the Bible, because otherwise you're not going to know how to pray. And that's the problem with the prayers of many Christians. They just ask whatever they want to ask, thinking about what they think they need or what they think they want. We need to know what God says is his will for us because he wants his best for us, and we need to trust him. And knowing God's word, then, when you pray according to the word, that's going to give you confidence in prayer, that when you get up from praying, when you've made your petitions, and your, your final thought, no matter what the petition is, is, Lord, your will be done. You have a way. You have a time, and I trust you. And I know that I can't do this on my own. Jacob prayed with humility, didn't demand God anything. He says, I don't deserve anything you've given me, but you've, you've blessed me abundantly. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we have to say the same thing, don't we? And yet sometimes we feel sorry for, for ourselves. Why doesn't God do this for me? Why doesn't he give me this? And this is why Paul's teaching in the New Testament always tells us that when we offer our prayers and our petitions, we are to do it with thanksgiving. Because when you are thankful for what God has already done for you, knowing that you didn't deserve it, again, it gives you that confidence to know that he's still going to take care of you. First Peter 5, 6 and 7. First Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Jacob prayed with humility. We need to pray the same. Understand that we don't deserve anything from God. We didn't deserve his salvation. We don't deserve any of his mercies that he gives us. But he says he is a merciful God. He's a loving father. And so we just trust him. Lord, I don't deserve to even come into your presence, but you have made me worthy. And I thank you for that. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Another exhortation for us in, in how we are to approach God in prayer with confidence. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, or 6 through 7, rather. Be anxious, fearful for nothing. Jacob was greatly afraid. But God tells us, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And you, you can present anything before the Lord. You can present your wishes, what you think you want or what you think you need. That, that's fine. If there's something that you're worried about, something that's important to you, it's important to your Father. But take it to Him. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Jacob lacked, lacked that peace after he prayed after he cast his fears on the Lord, then he picked them back up. And instead of having peace, he spent the night, well, began to spend the night, we'll see, worrying about what was going to happen. He did, he made his plans and he set him into to operation, but he was still anxious about it. He didn't have peace. We can't be too hard on Jacob because how often have we done the same thing? And sometimes we forget what God's done for us in the past. But that's when, we, when we're going through something difficult and overwhelming and we can't see how it's going to come out and it looks like everything's against us and, and we're just going to be crushed. Stop and think about all the times that God has worked in your life, how he's brought things together in order to 
not crush you, but to bless you, to lead you and to guide you, to provide for you. He's still the same God. Nothing is too difficult for him. He is the almighty God. He's your father, but he's the almighty God, which means there's no power that can keep him from doing what he said he would do. He said he would provide everything we need when we need it. Thank him for that. There's a popular saying that many Christians use, and they think it's biblical, but it's not. And that is, some people think it's in the Bible. God helps those who help themselves. You ever heard that? Jacob was trying to help himself, wasn't he? That's not what the Bible teaches. You can jot down 1 Samuel 2.30, where we have the biblical truism, which is God honors those who honor him. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't do something. doesn't mean that we don't have an active part, but our part is obedience. That's what we do, but we do it in obedience and faith in his word. Faith is not coming up with a way for God to bless you and or to deliver you and then coming up with a plan and say, God, now I've made this plan. Now you bless it. If you start out that way, making your plans and then go to God and ask him to bless it, you, you've got the cart before the horse. That means you're not going anywhere. Go to him first for all of your needs, for all of your decisions. Go to his word first. Make sure that there, there's that bold outline that we all have that we can follow to know that there are certain courses, certain choices that we just don't need to make at all or even consider making because they're outside of the revealed will of God. But then we also know that there are many specific decisions that we make in life that aren't spelled out for us word for word in Scripture. But the same Holy Spirit that made his word, that revealed his word to us, will also then speak to us personally and guide us in the way that we should go. But only if we look to him first. We have a part after we pray. It's not that we just sit around and, and say, God, okay, do something. We daily just continue to obey God's instruction for every area of our life, every relationship, how we talk, how we interact with the lost, how we interact with the believers. When you get up from praying, you start walking in the light of the word of God, trusting that he's going to order your steps. Sometimes even after we've made mistakes, as we're going to find with Jacob, God's going to put him on the right path, and he has to kind of use a, uh, a very forceful way to get Jacob's attention. We don't always have to wait till God does that. We can learn the lesson by simply studying Jacob's experience and know that we don't have to go through what we're going to read in our next study about wrestling with God until we finally realize just how weak and dependent we really are. So we'll, we'll close there tonight, and that'll give us some some things to think about for the rest of the week, to, to trust him, to cast our cares upon him, and then leave those cares with him. So let's stand. We'll be dismissed this evening.